Welcome back to Hire Everyone, the podcast where we help you reach higher in your career and learn with experts in recruitment, entrepreneurship, marketing, and many more about what it takes to become a leader in your dream industry. And in today's episode, we talk about how to make authenticity your brand. But first, hit that beat, Nikki Simmons. Another day, another dollar, gentlewomen, gentlemen, and everybody in between. Or maybe not, given the state of the global economy. Oh, it's all rather dire, isn't it? It is, Tom, it is. But fret not beautiful people, Nikki and I have all the answers. For everyone? Well, no. But for some of you out there, provided that you adhere to some key principles. Like being fierce. Certainly. And working for the woman every night and day. Ideally. Rolling. What? Rolling on the river. Oh, come on now. What? I love Tina Turner. Just as I love that nowadays authenticity forms such an important part of your personal brand, it's something that recruiters are looking for. Come through, authenticity. Come through indeed. And that is why today we are joined by Anja Skortsova, currently Partnership Director at Odalis, to show us exactly how to build and broadcast our personal brand and make authenticity one of our winning assets. And what's more, we'll talk about how not to lose authenticity in a world that still promotes conformity. All right, let's go get it. We've got Anya in the building. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anya. And you know what? We like our guests to tell them, tell a little bit about themselves before we go into it. So over to you, Anya. Can you tell the audience about yourself? Of course, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, so I'm Anya. I, uh, my career has been in executive search and recruitments um, for the last 15 years. Um, and uh, I feel like I, I know the job market and the, the, the things to do and what not to do. Um, lessons learned over the years. And so I'm here to kind of impart some of my wisdom um, onto the audience, uh, which hopefully um, will help them find their dream job. Oh, that is super. We are so excited to have you on. Um, our frequent listeners will know that we are super sneaky and sneakily have also asked you to withhold your three most prized tactics um, of things that people often don't do, but should start doing immediately once they get off of this episode. So everybody, stay tuned until the end to hear these golden nuggets from Anya directly. So Anya, um, we had... Um, Manuel Heitling on the podcast as well, whom you're familiar with. And we mm -hmm. asked him a couple of, you know, questions to debunk some myths around the, in the world of recruitment. And we wanted to ask you the exact same questions and see what you have to say to them. So question number one, recruiters are the enemy because they reject applicants. True or false? <laughs> I think that's false. <laughs> well, that was quick. <laughs> okay. My one is this one that we got from Manuel, which was very, like, great little tip. But we just want to know, is the six-second rule a thing? Uh, you mean when it comes to looking at CVs and making yes. up your mind about applicants? Um, I'm afraid that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Fantastic. Okay, quest, my question number two. Recruitment is only done by robots now. No human eye ever sees your CV. True or false? Oh, that's false. 
<laughs> I I know. I don't know. Those robots are everywhere. I know. <laughs> and my final one is, as an applicant, is it you versus a job posting? And a lot of the waiting, you know, waiting around is is what you have to do. Is this true or false? Do you have to wait or do you have to maybe go and get it yourself? Um, I think that's false. I mean, yes, absolutely. You, When you're applying for jobs, I guess in some ways there's little you can do but wait for the results. But at the same time, you need to spread um, your kind of applications and really do things more proactively, which we can get into later on um, as well. Fantastic. You've stolen my, my bridge and my talking point because that is exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode today, about your professional identity, about showcasing your brand. So let's hop right into it. Um, what does professional identity mean to you, Anya, and um, why does it matter? Well, professional identity is hugely important. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what people have to realize that a job market um, is is what it is. It's a market, right? So it's all about selling and buying in many ways. And ultimately, what people are looking to buy is you, right? So actually, you know, what makes you unique, what makes you stand out is hugely important um, in understanding why somebody is going to want to work with you. Um, so I think what what is really important is for people to understand what makes them unique and why does somebody want to um, work with you at the end of the day. So I think it is hugely important to understand what it is, who it is that you are and what is it that you want to do um, in order to uh, make sure you put, you put your best foot forward um, in the job market. Yeah, for sure. And I think we'll talk about that a lot and we do in other po other podcasts as well. Um, but I think we want to spend a little bit of time on the actual job market. And you've got a lot of years of experience and we want to know, is it changing? Is the job market changing or do we have to constantly change ourselves to fit into that? I think it's a combination of the two, to be honest. I mean, I think the, the job market is definitely, has definitely changed. I mean, I think that there are a number of things that have changed. First of all, I think we no longer um, have a career for life, right? No one does. Um, if, I, if I think even about, you know, 15 years ago when I started um, my own personal career and what jobs were popular at the time and what people were going into, that has really changed over the last few years. There's been completely new jobs that have come around. There's certain jobs that disappeared altogether. Um, but also the way we look at and find jobs have also changed, you know. So we obviously have a lot more online presence now. People are using all sorts of applications. Um, you know, there used to be a case where people even used to send CVs, you know, into offices and paper and all sorts of things. So that has definitely changed. Um, so I think, you know, people do need to think about, you know, what it is that uh, I suppose the em employers are looking for how people are looking for jobs um, and then as a result what you need to do in order to, um, to to find that dream job so I do think that there has been a combination of the two um, for certain you know this is one of the big struggles that I've been facing throughout my career as well where there's simultaneously a very strong ask for you need to specialize you need to do the best at this so say you know you need to be um, technical SEO mastery you need to beat out all of the competition otherwise you can't have a job meanwhile 
you know, where maybe 30, 40 years ago, you would pick one company and have, you know, changed maybe, you know, changed maybe jobs three times in your career. Now I hear that people are changing careers three or four times in their lifetime. So how do you find that balance between expertise that you can sell and still remaining flexible to respond to these changing, um, you know, demands and currents in the job market? It's a big question, I know. Yeah. No, it is a big question. I think, look, it's, it's, um, I think, first of all, uh, one, one thing you have to think about, people get overwhelmed, you know, when they are kind of <laughs> finishing university or even going into university or, um, you know, going into the job market to think about, oh, my God, I need to know what I'm going to be in like 20 years time. The reality is it's not possible, right? And frankly, you can pivot and you can change um, over your career. I think what you need to think about more is, you know, what do you want to do right now? Um, and for the next few years, perhaps, um, just on the horizon. Um, and the reality is as well, you know, when you are entering the job market, um, uh, when you're younger, um, your, your skill level is pretty low. Like if you will look at kind of the skill and will matrix in some ways, which I think is a, you know, a more scientific way of looking at it. Um, you might have all the will in the world, but you have quite little, quite little skill in many ways. You have little experience. Um, but what you do need to demonstrate is first of all, your willingness, and that's huge important, your willingness to learn and um, to absorb lots of information. Um, and then in terms of the skill, I think you have to, you have to think, uh, think about what it is that you've got to offer. You know, coming back to this point of, um, I suppose, uh, uh, there's things that we call hooks, I suppose, right? So why does somebody want to hire you? What is it that makes you unique? What skills do you have to bring? Um, and think about that when you are applying for roles and, you know, uh, but you don't have to decide, you know, what you're going to be in 10, 15, 20 years time. Um, so it, it, it is definitely, um, I suppose, a balance to strike. Um, but you do need to have some understanding of what you want to do for the next few years for certain. Yeah, you, you just touched on there a little bit. My question was about, you know, coming out of university, you don't have a two page CV, for example. Um, how else can you build your identity? What else can you do? What other skills can you bring? We spoke before about bringing skills from if you were, a, you know, a, a football player or a, an athlete. Are there other skills that you can put in there that will really you know, catch the eye of a recruiter, even at a young age? Yeah, I think you definitely need to make sure that your CV stands out in some way or another, right? And ultimately, it is we are looking at all these transferable skills. You know, it, there, there is definitely a lot of encouragement of people no longer just spending their time when they're at school or university just on academic studies, right? There are so many extracurriculum activities, and that's what really distinguishes you, right? And there are huge amounts of transferable skills, like you talked about sport. Absolutely, you know, there it it teaches you about resilience. It teaches you about, um, you know, competition. It teaches you about teamwork. All of those types of things that you can bring into the job market. And ultimately, you know, whatever it is that we do in a jo in a day to day job, um, a lot of it is actually quite similar. So I think the the things that you need to um, uh, I suppose focus on is what other things you can do in addition to just pure studies. And the great thing is, you know, nowadays there's so much resource available. I think, you know, you talked about what has changed over the last few years. I mean, uh, internet is a wonderful thing. Networking is a wonderful thing. There's so much information out there. And frankly, uh, 
you know, previously, in order for you to um, have access to some incredibly senior and high-powered people, successful people, you know, you actually needed to go and physically try to meet them. Nowadays, you can reach out to them. You can you can actually try and connect with people. You can join all sorts of forums um, online um, and educate yourself. So I think there is so much information out there, and it's it's up to you to do some of this self learning so that you can add more towards your um, CV um, that really makes you stand out. I think this is spectacular knowledge because I'm seeing this in interns um, that are working in, in our team on teams around us all the time now where I came out of university, um, you know, thinking, okay, great. Now the job market is mine. They already come like seasoned professionals out of university. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, they're, they're part of, um, of, you know, diversity and inclusion communities. They work on women's rights and um, they speakers on panels already, you know, things that I would dream about doing um, with my career and they already come equipped with it. So I think the takeaway from what you just said is as well um you know you have more transferable skills than you think it's a matter of how do you write it up and match to the job that you actually want to um want to apply to so i think i think this is fantastic insights um i want to talk a little and it also makes you you know authentic it's part of your brand which is the next thing i want to talk to you about mm-hmm. um we are still facing a job market that has a habit of, you know, pressing people into a mold, into conformity, right? Just stand at the at the conveyor belt and make the same sandwich all of the time. And I think the job market <laughs> is robbing itself of the richness of the people that work in it. Um, and so we maintain that authenticity sells, you know, for yourself. It's an asset. So what do you think about that? And maybe even um, have a tip or two for our listeners on how to maintain it while they're being pressed into this mold as they're going through, you know, once they have a job, as they go through the motions. Yeah, it's it, that's a really interesting one. And I think even if I look back at actually when I started my own career and when I was applying for jobs, and as you say, you're coming out of university, um, you know, you might have a good degree and you're thinking, okay, fantastic. You know, everyone's going to want to hire me. This is going to be brilliant. And the reality is not always the case. There's so many more of you, exactly the same passionate, enthusiastic and um, with, with very little experience out there. So I think, you know, I remember, uh, you know, going for a number of interviews, and I've made plenty of mistakes myself, to be honest, um, at the time. And I think the mistakes were exactly that: trying to conform and just trying to be, you know, going there as a robot and uh, answering the same questions in the same way. Um, and interestingly, I remember when I when I got my first job. Um, in that interview, um, the biggest thing they really pushed us. We did like an assessment day, and they really pushed us, and um, for you know to, to do all sorts of different tasks. And I remember I had an interview one-on-one with my director at the time. And um, he kind of, he startled me. And that was what um, got me to be more authentic and be more myself. His interview question to me was, you know, he said, look, you know, we've observed you today. Um, You know, we had mixed feedback. Some people really liked you. Some people were not sure. You know, you're not really sure what to think of you. So I'm giving you an opportunity, like two minutes to sell yourself. Go. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, (laughs) oh, my God, Um, what do I say? And ultimately, you know, I just I just talked about being myself and what do I have to bring. And I think by 
disarming me in many ways, um, what he did was actually bring out my authentic self, right? I, I brought all my guard down, all my interview kind of prep went out of the window and I was just myself. And ultimately, I remember when they offered me the job, they said, well, we hired you because we thought, you know, that's what we wanted to see. And I think it's important to know who you are and, you know, what is it that makes you unique? And ultimately, you know, when it comes to any relationships, your friends and family and everything, People like to work, you know, like to be with you. So I think it is important. Um, authenticity is hugely important. You need to, to have something that's memorable around you. Um, so, you know, for me, it was the fact that, you know, at the time I was the only uh, person coming from Russia, from Western Siberia. And I, you know, I almost had a couple of stories that I could throw into conversation that talked about me and what my personal experience could bring to this job. Um, and I think that's what everyone can do. You know, there's always something unique about you. Um, and I think you need to use that, um, you know, as a, uh, as an advantage, um, rather than, as you, as we said, to conform to kind of, oh, I'm just one of many, um, people. So what I'm taking from this is you have to be a good storyteller. So trying to learn how to tell your story in a white, in the right way, because my next point or our next point is about strengths and weaknesses. And you know, you get mm -hmm. that question sometimes, hopefully never, <laughs> you will never get that. What are your strengths and weaknesses? But they kind of will say that and they will expect it to come out of you, but in a different way. So as a story, you can put your strengths and weaknesses in a story. Um, and how would you go about working that out yourself? Do you have any tips to tell people? <laughs> it's you know this is an interesting one. Um, the strength and weaknesses. I mean, as you said, it pretty much comes up in every um, every interview, and um, and I think you do need to be prepared for those questions for certain. And I think also you know you need to rather than given the whole thing about what most people say, you know, my weakness is that I'm a perfectionist, which <laughs> frankly <laughs> pretty much everyone says that it's a, it's never particularly helpful. I think you do need to make it again personal. Look, use people around you. I think you do. You, you need to be honest with yourself, but also you need to talk to other people, right? Use friends and family, colleagues, um, professors, whoever it is that you, you've got um, around you to really understand what it is that uh, you've got to bring to the table. And, and again, where are your blind spots? And ultimately, everybody has blind spots. And as, as we said, especially if you are somebody who is fairly, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of your career, you will have plenty of things to learn, um, you know, and what you do just need to think about is, uh, you know, where are those, uh, you know, where are those blind spots, but how can you actually use your storytelling to talk about how you can overcome those um, as well. And I think one of the greatest tips in many ways I was given very early on in my career as well was don't spend too much time trying to um, kind of improve on your weaknesses versus um, uh, strengthening your strengths. <laughs> so if we think about the fact that, you know, you might be, um, I don't know, you might be a great communicator and that's something that, you know, you might be great at presenting something and you are, I don't know, an eight out of 10 at doing that. Well, actually, by perfecting that and getting to nine or 10 out of 10, you'll always be perceived as an amazing communicator communicator or presenter. Whilst if, for example, you, you know, you're, you're quite weak at, um, 
uh, it could be um, I don't know uh, writing something. You're, you're you know, uh, for example, and you are spending lots and lots of time trying to perfect that. Well, ultimately, you're probably never going to be great at this anyway. So rather than spending all of your effort and thinking about just oh my god, so how can I really improve my weaknesses? I think you do just need to um, spend more of your time on your strengths and um, really trying to use those to your advantage. So I'm loving this point so much because interestingly, um, this is something that we never hear, right? Especially when we yes. spoke about the be a specialist versus be a generalist mm-hmm. um, conundrum as well um, mm-hmm. earlier um, in, in the in the call. I work with a bunch of people that are sort of, they're priding themselves on being communications experts. And so mm-hmm. they need an army to support them, to bring them water, to sign their contracts, <laughs> to deal with their financial <laughs> situation. And I maintain the perspective that there's a certain sort of, if you want to operate in a job, in business, there's a certain level of project management skills that you need to maintain, right? So it's being able to say, I'm a super great storyteller, but I'm just really unorganized. Um, you know, there's a certain level that mm-hmm. you have to get yourself up to to remain operational. You don't have to be the super jack of all trades, but little jack of all trades. Um <laughs> So before we, we want to hop into showcasing your brand now, we want to talk about, okay, how did you actually get it out there? But I'm going to sneak in a question um, before mm-hmm. that I have heard so many times, especially where we live in Switzerland, um, and we always talk about the secrets of the job market. In Switzerland, there is a secret job market. <laughs> um, it is rumored that about 70% of jobs um, that go to people here are never advertised at all mm. so it's the only place for to look for a job on the um on the job board of the company you want to apply with or are there other ways to find those secret ones that are sort of floating through the nexus um, there are definitely other ways. And actually, um, one of the things, um, so one, just before I forget, actually, I think one of the things you brought up earlier about a jack of all trades and, and, and um, you know, being uh, having that um, generalist versus specialist. And I just wanted to touch a little bit onto that. One of the things, and interestingly, one of the things that my firm um, specializes in um, specifically is diversity. And we talk about diversity. It's incredibly important to have diverse teams. And the reason the diverse teams, for example, are super important is that all of us have our own strengths and all of us have our blind spots and the best teams are the ones that have a combination so you need to have people around you that are better at things that you are weak at right so again i think this is just something that um i think is 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 important to note um hence why you don't have to know everything and nobody knows everything and that's that's important to realize but i think when you are assessing your strengths and weaknesses um when it comes to secret job markets um i I think definitely, look, um, you need to think about, uh, again, relationship building. I come up to this point again. Ultimately, the the job market is all about still build, trying to build those connections and trying to build those relationships. And absolutely, there are some things that get advertised. Um, you know, I'm, you know, my job is to be a headhunter, essentially. So I work in executive search. A lot of the roles that we do are confidential. They'd never go out there. We don't advertise. And similarly, you know, there might be um, certain reasons as to why, you know, opportunities come about. Um, and we do a lot of very, um, you know, select approaching and tapping up people, etc. And a lot of it is, again, the referrals and recommendations. And people 
recommend people that they know and like. So I think it's incredibly, don't underestimate the importance of your general network. Um, and you can network in so many different ways, as I mentioned. So first of all, you know, you've got your friends and family and they're, they're selective, uh, you know, respective others um, around you. But also some of these things around, as I mentioned, like joining forums, you know, there are always topics of conversation uh, um, on LinkedIn. There's so many webinars at the moment. There are, you know, now that we are working in this weird pandemic way and actually everyone is at home, this is a perfect opportunity for you to attend, you know, potential conferences or things, you know, events that you would have never probably been able to participate in if you had to physically go in and meet with people. So, um, and then when you see people in those events that you like the sound of, just get in touch with them, you know, uh, go and approach them directly. I think most of the time people uh, don't feel that they can, or they feel that probably, oh, somebody's not going to respond. In all honesty, if somebody comes up to you directly and messages you and puts something personal in there, most of the time people want to help. So they will respond. So I think it is just those those informal connections you can make are hugely important and i come back to this proactivity as a um as a way of um really distinguishing distinguishing yourself do you have any um sort of favorite and free especially because we're talking to an audience that's just getting started in their career for the most part do you have favorite mm -hmm. um sort of event platforms where people like you might be sort of swimming in the audience also searching and fishing for people we all know um event bride um green biz for the sustainability environment sort of do you have um, a preferred way to finding these events for yourself that you want to attend um, you know, I think uh, I'm lucky enough that we've got a, a fantastic uh, platform that we use in terms of just LinkedIn and, and, and things like that. We do a lot of social media um, stuff in general. And frankly, I think nowadays, and a lot of it costs nothing. Um, I think uh, Eventbrite is definitely a, a good one as well. Um, it really depends, I think, on what it is that you want to do, because ultimately there is no one size fits all and there will be different platforms used by different, um, you know, professions, different markets, um, you know. Google is a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there and search for it. Um, and, you know, um, I would also look at, uh, you know, any profession you want to go into, there'll always be um, some sort of awards. There'll be something around, you know, high profile, um, uh, you know, events going on. And what you can do is um, understand who are the speakers at those events and then uh, then go into them um, and find out, you know, what is it, where is it that they might be popular. Up. And again, like I mentioned um, earlier, uh, it, the reality is previously some of those people might have been doing lots of traveling and actually physically going to things and you have to purchase tickets and actually attend those events. Nowadays, a lot of the stuff might be out there for free. Um, so again, just don't underestimate what you can find. But I think that you can, uh, it, it's difficult to say, you know, what, what platforms work for everything, because I think it is going to be quite specific to um, what it is you want to do specifically. Well, that was great. <laughs> Like answered all my questions um, before I even told you. Um, no. So my, I mean, the next part was about networking, which you already brought up very beautifully and, you know, telling us all about what we can do and what we can't do. But my question is kind of 
has two parts. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you make people really listen to you and give you their time? And secondly, you know, it does sound like it's quite an extrovert market sometimes, maybe more back in the day when we were able to go to events. I sound like it was years ago, but it was. It was probably, you know, a year ago. (laughs) It definitely Um, seems like it, yes. (laughs) You know, back in the old days when we were allowed to meet each other. um, You know, it is quite an extrovert market when you go to events because, you know, some people have that personality. Some people have that um, ease in a room to meet people, to to go up to somebody and introduce themselves. So the second part of that question, I know it's a bit long, but how do those people who are not so extrovert um, find the power to go and, and speak to people or what else can they do? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, um, I consider myself to be quite an extrovert, um, but at the same time, I absolutely hate the big networking events. And you'd think that that's um, quite strange given the fact that I have work in recruitment and I I used to attend a lot of those things in person. But actually, I think, you know, for anyone going into a big room and, uh, you know, just having to approach people is overwhelming. I think that's that's definitely the case. Um, And the way that I've always tackled it is, going up to individuals because actually it's much easier to have one-on-one discussion and around you know the question about how do you make somebody really listen to you well you do that by again getting them um, into much more of a personal conversation so as in one-on-one conversation rather than just joining um, you know a big circle where you're kind of just listening and piping up with a couple of <laughs> a couple of things um, and that's that's really not helpful so I think um, for anyone who's got this anxiety, which I think most people do, frankly, Um, I think you do just have to um, do more of this one-on-one communication. Um, And again, I'm, I'm, you know, I think ultimately, if you think about people, um, people mainly like to talk about themselves. Like if if we generally just go back to like the nature of people. Um, So I think if you can do some research um, and understand, you know, why why do you want to talk to a particular individual and use that personal information um, to tell them, you know, look, look, I'm, you know, I really admire this about you or I understand. And this this is what you have achieved in your career to date. I'd love to know how is it that I can do that, or you know, this is a little bit about me, um, you know, and uh, you know, what tips do you have to offer? So I think it's just trying to make it very personal um, in that conversation and trying to establish this connection. I mean, we're going back to this authenticity, right? So um, if you are talking to somebody one on one, it's much easier to be yourself um, and also you know to recognize recognize what's what makes them authentic so I think it's almost covered by kind of recognizing what's authentic about them and then you know being vulnerable perhaps to say look you know I'd love to to get your help on x y and z most people are really willing to to help and listen you know, I think this is also part of the of, of your authenticity, even if you are even if you're in a virtual chat room with someone saying I'm actually really nervous about being here. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of truthful approach really will also inspire people to want to help you. Nikki um, and I have both worked in big corporate, and I um, I ran a workshop um, last year around this topic of extrovert versus introvert in uh, in the job market and in corporate. And it can feel sometimes like the job market um, is asking you to become an extrovert, mm-hmm. um, whereas there are certain things that you can almost treat like a skill. Right. You can't you, you are not able to intuitively ride a bike. You have to learn it. So how do you approach people 
in virtual events, even if it makes you uncomfortable. One of the things, for example, was be the first one in the room. Just be the first one in the virtual room and say hello, even if you're not comfortable sort of projecting your opinion immediately, as um, some of the more talkative, like me, ones um, do. Uh, you know, just be there. Put be your present. camera on. Put your camera on. Say hi. Be yeah. present. Be noticeable, right? So I think there are certain steps that you can take to leverage it as a skill if it doesn't naturally come to you, right? You don't have to completely dismantle your personality um, to to become something new. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I think one one thing that I add to that is look, we're all um we were all at some point in time not good at something, right? And the only way you learn is by putting yourself out there, right? And and that it, by making yourself feel slightly uncomfortable, you know. And actually, that's how that's how you perfect yourself, and, and that's how you get better. Um, so I think it is definitely, uh, you know, those those easy things, as you said. And it's all it takes is just to do one step at a time, right? Just develop those. Try and. Um, Try and put yourself out there, um, and you know if it doesn't, nobody, nobody is going to, um, you know, in your eyes, you might have failed at something. No one else knows that you have failed in something. That we are always worse, much worse critics of ourselves than 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 anyone else, right? So, um, I do think those those easy easier steps you mentioned, I think, is uh, are really important. Um, but in a in a virtual room setup at the moment, it's actually much easier. Definitely. You don't actually have to physically <laughs> go up to somebody <laughs> for, the, for, you know, for once um, as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are those are great tips. Definitely. Brilliant. Brilliant. And we'll probably come back to them at the end. Um, we have one more part is about the eyes of the recruiter. So you spoke about being in our own eyes, like we're the only ones who know what we want to do if we were going to speak to that person or if we weren't going to speak to that person, you know, that sort of side of things. So, but on the eyes of a recruiter, how do you see and how do you assess people um, when you're in a room like that? Or how do you look for, for their, I guess, their attributes that they might have, the things that you might be looking for in, a, in an employee? I mean, I think it's that's a million dollar question. I think <laughs> it's um, it's um, I think the answer is it depends. I mean, I, I think look for uh, you know I talked about this kind of skill and will um, uh, matrix earlier, and ultimately, you know, when um, when we hire people, um, especially early in their career, we hire for potential rather than proven ability to do something. And frankly, actually, in many ways, up to, to, to an extent at any point in your career, you probably are hiring for, you know, what is it that you see in somebody that makes you think, okay, yes, they're going to be, they're going to be working hard. They're going to fit into our culture. They are going to be, you know, the sort of person we, we are after. And I think the reality is obviously every organization is different and what uh, the attributes that, uh, you know, different companies look for um, can be different, right? So again, um, what, uh, you know, finding your tribe in some ways uh, when it comes to finding your employer, like I've worked for very different companies over the years and it's, um, you know, it's definitely much more difficult to be yourself in in, ha in certain situations or certain companies that I've worked in rather than others. And I know that those were not the right organizations for me. Now, it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean that you can't learn from those experiences as well, because I think it is also important. Um, but um, 
I think the the way to to stand out is again by knowledge is power, knowing things and what is it in that particular room um, that people might be thinking about, might be looking for, um, and trying to project those qualities. But ultimately, I think the most important thing is if you are just if you don't say anything and if you don't do anything, then nobody will notice you. And therefore, you need to think about how you can stand out for the right reasons. Um, so that's kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, the, my, my way of answering that. But it, it's a huge question um, in <laughs> no, all honesty. Sorry, it was a massive <laughs> question. But I mean, we speak about it a lot as being in those rooms where you know, some people will go out for the lunch break and not come back and, you know, they'll miss that opportunity to meet those people during those times. And at the coffee station, we always speak about as well. It's how you hold yourself in those situations, I think, also can really project your your authentic self. Absolutely. You know, it's it's that old um, age old um, kind of uh, rule of, uh, you know, when you when you go on dates, for example, the way of assessing somebody's personality is the way they treat the waiters or, you know, the, the staff around them. And I think it's actually thinking about what is it that um, people perceive in you when they're not, when when you don't think you're being watched and exactly that. So how do you interact with others? Um, you know, when you go to these uh, sometimes these assessment days or whatever, how is it that you interact with other people there? at these events um you know and and just by uh, you know recruiters do notice those things they look around they just generally perceive your behavior um so i think it's just important um to be to be kind to be open to ask questions um those are the things that demonstrate that you are actually interested you're listening um and you're taking part um so i do think that that's really important and those you know we, we come back to all of these in formal connections that's where you actually form the connections it isn't often in the official interview room right so um when you are going for example for an interview tell make this it's all about this storytelling make something personal talk about something that makes you stand out that people will go ah i remember her that or him you know that's that's really interesting um and it often isn't going to be the answer to your strength and weaknesses question (laughs) it's probably going to be something um (laughs) that you say before or after um you know about your you know your hobby or you know something (laughs) something else um that's going to make you stand out you know you are the third person the third professional (laughs) from the recruitment industry that we're talking to in this um, month of february where it's all about how to get jobs how to sort of leverage your own personal brand and this theme keeps coming back we're all so concerned with being the perfect match the perfectly skilled person for the job where oftentimes recruiters will also look for potential for the Mm -hmm. kind of cultural contribution um they can, that a candidate would be able to make. They look for all of these markers that we, you know, don't prepare for for a specific interview, but we read the company homepage, the job spec, we sorted our strengths and weaknesses. But it goes a bit deeper than that. People want to, recruiters want to see what is the makeup of a person? Who are they? And are they going to be able to bring us forward as a team, not only to perform this job with uh, complete clarity? So, we have breezed through the question that we prepared for today, but we kind of knew this was going to happen with you. So <laughs> we have left a little bit of time um, for the end of this episode to just sort of go off script and be um, just be entirely wild and free. So I will start peppering you with questions remorselessly and then we'll see how you can deal with that. Um, <laughs> one of the first questions that I actually had um, 
um, I can't remember now, which I need to have a quick, short, intimate break. I'm going to edit this out in a second. Um, I had a good one, though. But no, I can't recall. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Sound professional. Nikki, you can hop in anytime if you have something anytime. you want to talk about. Um, well, we wanted to make sure that and speak about keeping your authentic- authenticity intact. So not just like, you know, being authentic in the feeling you're being authentic in the interview or in the meeting that you have over coffee but how do you keep that intact and how do you keep it going um that's obviously key as well right you can't just be somebody in the interview and then be a completely different person in your job so how do you go about you know making sure that you're I guess walking the talk yeah and again that's Quite a, um, in many ways, quite a difficult question. And uh, I, I go back to, uh, uh, again, to my personal experience. So once, once I had my first job and I remember I was kind of probably three months into it or something, I remember my manager at the time um, taking me aside and kind of going, okay, well, how do you think it's going and, you know, everything else? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot and gosh, you know, I'm hoping that I'm doing okay. And, um, and uh, you know, her observation was to say, look, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we hired you because, you know, you, you, you distribute, you, you displayed all these qualities in an interview, you were outspoken, you were this, you were that. Um, and at the moment, we're finding you quite quiet. You're actually quite a different person, you know, kind of on a day to day. And I was like, well, gosh, it's because I think, you know, I'm just trying to absorb all this information. I'm trying to just make sure that I don't maybe have perhaps stand out for all the wrong reasons. And she's like, no, 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 we hired you for a particular reason. Just just be yourself. Stop worrying about how, you know, people perceive you or this or that. Um, it's, you know, there's always going to be things you need to learn. You know, there's always going to be opportunities for you to fail at something. And that's not a problem at all. Just go ahead and make sure that you are genuinely just being yourself. Don't hide behind, um, you know, the screen or the phone or whatever it is you need to be. Um, just be yourself. And I think, but it's, and, and it was that reminder that I, that I needed to actually go oh my gosh right okay I can be myself and this is this is why it's important and I think we just need these constant reminders to be honest um so I think it is just uh it's not always easy and I do think we all have we all adapt a, a certain kind of persona um when we are at work we are still going to be slightly different to the way we are perhaps with our you know spouses or our children or our friends um you know that's normal um but I think it's just bringing back to this okay well just remind yourself why is it that you're here and why does somebody want to work with you and uh i think that that's what we have to constantly remind ourselves on this is so important you know this is just it's not just um you know responding to specific job specs but getting yourself ready for the job market is a constant thing right you have to keep working Mm. on yourself you have to keep being able to tell your story as nikki mentioned earlier and vocalize your current sort of you know state of being and live your story and live your story as well Mm -hmm. so um last week we had a um another recruiter on shona mcdonald um whom we asked a very terrible question so you have full permission to decline to (laughs) ask But do you have any horror stories in your repertoire from your experience that pertain to this question of authenticity, where you had a candidate in front of you that had all the technical markers to perform the job well, but you just thought there's something off about this person, something doesn't feel authentic, something doesn't feel right, and it actually cost them the opportunity to get the job? 
you know what? I, I generally think it happens all the time. In all honesty, I mean, I think it's the the whole thing about people um, being good or uh, not good at interviews. And I don't want to say that, use it as good or not good, but it, it just takes practice ultimately. And I think, frankly, it also depends who you're interviewed by. Sometimes, um, some people get really thrown off um, by certain questions. And this is where we come back to this 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 importance of pivot and being able to um, to adapt to certain things but I think sometimes you can have people who are just too scripted they just genuinely treat that interview as you can you can kind of tell that they've been on so many of these and they have oh this is my answer to this question and this is my answer to this question and this is how it's almost like they're trying to be too perfect and (laughs) the way they do certain things and frankly that doesn't help because actually you're kind of thinking it just seems like you're going through the motions and I'm not really sure what why you're interested in this particular job Right. So I think that's one of the things. Um, the the other one is when people just they, they just talk and talk and talk. I mean, they just, you know, you need to read the room and you need to think about, you know, how are you able to address the particular questions you're being asked um, in a quite a concise manner. Right. Because, again, and if somebody needs um, to ask you a follow up question, if they didn't feel you answered it, uh, you know, in, in sufficient enough manner, they will ask you the follow up question. Um, so I think the it is important to just genuinely try and treat that interview not as a process, but you are talking to a person. Try and you know somehow relate to them. Um, so this is whole thing about going back to this call questions of robots and recruiters of robots, <laughs> where you know people you, you're talking to a person, so I think you just need to relate to them and don't treat them as a robot because <laughs> they're not. Oh my goodness! You know, I think being being relevant to the context to the specific job that you're after is so important, and being succinct in your answers. The latter of which I struggle with hugely, as our listeners. No, my questions are always like five minutes long and they can actually go on a pee break before they come back. But wow, Anya, our minds are entirely blown. There's so much to think about, so much to get um, so much to get cracking on. So thank you so much. Indeed. And as promised at the beginning, Anya, you are to give our listeners three top tips because we know they've been listening the whole episode, right? Obviously. So here you go. Your top three tips for our listeners. Off you go. Right. Okay. Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of tips, but let's let's try and be as practical as possible. So, I think the number one is um, is is coming back to this, knowing yourself and having an elevator pitch ready. Right. So, people talk about this a lot, but genuinely, you need to think about how you can sell yourself in like two sentences. Right. So, what is it that makes you stand out? Um, that you can use in any room you go to, virtual room, interview room, whatever it is. Um, So having that elevator pitch is super important. Perfect it, get it ready, speak to people, um, you know, uh, speak to friends, family, whoever it is, uh, and make sure it generally authentically reflects who you are. So that's number one. Um, Number two, um, I think, is um, research. Like genuinely research, research, research. So knowing, um, again, 
uh, information is power and ensuring that you treat every situation um, differently is really important. So what it is, when you go for the job interview, whatever it is, event you attend to, um, make sure you generally do your research so you can make that interaction personal to that particular individual, to that particular job. Um, again, so, you know, research is power. Um, and then the final one, um, I think, you, uh, is is this this thing we talked about, uh, pivot and and uh, being able to adapt. Um, again, I think one of the wise people over over my career days has said to me that the only constant is change, right? So what we do need to think about is how we are prepared to pivot and adapt. And again, one of the biggest questions that I always ask in pretty much every single interview, it doesn't matter what job I'm interviewing somebody for, is give me give me an example of when something's gone horribly wrong or, you know, uh, how were you able to adapt, how were you able to pivot and change? So I think having that ready at your fingertips and being able to use that to your advantage is super important. And just don't be afraid to make mistakes. Whew, I am just itching to get <laughs> off this glorious conversation and to implement all of these wonderful things that you've mentioned to us. Um, again, Anya, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, I wouldn't want to close the session um, without giving you the opportunity to say, you know, your elevator pitch one more time or one or two sentences that you would like the audience to keep in mind about you or about Adelis, um before we close today. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I, I hope it's been a, you know, it's been an insightful discussion. And it's, I mean, the, all of these questions, I think, you know, there, there, are, there are so many topics to cover um, and all, all these nuggets of information to take on. I mean, what I would say is in, in, terms, of, um, in terms of myself, um, I would describe myself as an authentic recruiter, <laughs> not a robot, um, <laughs> somebody that is um, my, my genuine passion frankly and has always been throughout my career is being identity culture and um, diversity and inclusion and that's exactly what um, Odellis the firm that I work for stands for we're all about making people and companies hire individuals that bring their authentic selves and that's what makes organizations thrive um, that's what makes people want to work somewhere um, is that uh, is that culture in those individuals so just be yourself um, bring that authenticity um, into the job market and uh, just be unapologetically you. I think that's the most important thing. Wow, what a show. So much to learn, so much to do. Thank you so much, Anya, again. And thank you to the listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, of course, you can subscribe on wherever you get your normal podcasts, Spotify, where else? where are all the places you can get it we are now also on instagram how exciting so you can go find us on go hire podcast on instagram where you'll see some behind the scenes footage and different things that we do to prepare for these amazing podcasts thank you again for listening thank you anya and thank you tom and thank you anya and thank you nikki as always everybody we'll be back here next week tuesday but this time not with a guest, but with a special episode. So stick around, join us. Um, we can't wait for the next one. Have a wonderful day, everybody. As always, let's go get it. Yay.